DJ and PK brought to you in part by Minky Couture. Mother's Day is May 9th. Get the best blanket ever. That's also the best gift ever for Mother's Day with Minky Couture. Sandy and her staff are doing it again for our listeners, helping you get it right for Mother's Day. Get 50% off now when you mention Zone 50 at a store near you or online at MinkyCouture.com. That's promo code ZONE50. That's Minky Couture for Mother's Day. Time to welcome in Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler, good morning. DJ, PK, how are you? Good. I think one of the reasons we all love to watch sports is you never know what you're going to see. You sit down to watch a game and you just don't know. And in the case of that Jazz-Kings game, at the end of the first quarter, yeah, 30-27 to 27 or whatever it was, it was kind of a normal first quarter. You had no idea they were about to break the club record for most points scored in a game. That was a crazy barrage right there. Yeah, the whole game turned out to be, uh, in a lot of ways, record-setting. And you're right. You never know what you're going to get on a given night. I mean, you know, you lose twice uh, to Minnesota. You don't have Donovan. You don't have Mike. And then all of a sudden you come out and and have a record-setting night. Really, looking at the box score, I just was uh, gazing through it again. I sat at the arena last night for a while just kind of thinking about what the heck's going on and, you know, looking ahead to tomorrow night, you know, with Phoenix and, and the win they had over the Clippers as well. But, you, know, you get eight players and double figures. You have nine players uh, who are seven or more that hit two or more threes. I mean, uh, yeah, the, the second quarter was as dominant as you can see. And you look at the final score, 154 to 105. Hard to explain without two all-stars last night, but it shows you again the depth. And also, maybe it also tells you where the Jazz are. Uh in the sense of understanding the moment, what they have to do. I know it's the Sacramento Kings, and I know they don't have the deer and fox, but you can also counter that the Jazz didn't have Conley and Donovan Mitchell last night, and they still do that type of damage on the offensive end. And other than play some pretty pretty uh, strong defense as well. So Mitchell will come back when he comes back. He's 24 years old. He can recuperate and get back, and I don't think that uh... – it would take him very long to be where he has been and probably be even better because his arc certainly is rising. Uh, a little concerned about Conley. Do you have any idea as far as uh, precaution versus serious and possibly lingering? You know, PK, this is kind of that ongoing story with, with Mike. He plays at you know, uh, such a high level. He, he played so well. Uh, in that second game against Minnesota, and I, you know, I didn't see anything that would tell you that he had, you know, tightening of the hamstring or had re-injured it. But again, after the game, things you know tend to slow down. Adrenaline kind of eases off, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, these athletes know their body very well. In fact, especially a 14-year veteran. But no, to your question, a simple no, I don't. The Jazz are very guarded, always and always will, and always have been about players' health. Uh, I'm going to guess that Mike's going to have to make the call on this somewhat himself on where he's at, how he feels, go through the treatment protocol that he's visited several times. Um, but that's a lingering injury that continues to hamper him. And I think his age, you know, jumps on all of us. You know, sometimes these things are going to happen. If it's going to happen now, it's better than it would if it was in the, uh, you know, if it was in postseason play and he can get healthy. 10 games remain, uh, and that's, you know, hopefully time enough to get him back, uh, you know, to a high level. Same with Donovan. Again, uh, 
to your point, PK, um, you know, Coach Q was asked about Donovan. And again, it's it's one of those things that it's going to be a day-to-day situation. I don't know really where he's at. I heard he was making progress. Don't know if he's, you know, taking a step back or not. But you make a good point. 24 probably is a good thing, right, instead of, you know, 34 uh, in the sense of how you recover. But, look, it was a it was a pretty wicked, you know, sprain, and it takes time. And, you know, hopefully – I think the Jazz probably will be, you know, error on caution because they know that the postseason is, could be long and, and demanding. So uh, that's my guess on both those players. And right now you have to go with a, a Joe Ingles and a, a Royce O'Neal backcourt and George Niang. I thought did a great job last night jumping in as a starter. And here we go. You know, uh, Phoenix is tough. They have those guards with Booker and, and Chris Paul who are very quick. They've beaten the Jazz this year. Uh, they, As we say, they like to run downhill. So this is going to be another huge challenge tomorrow night, uh, especially when it's in Phoenix, not in not at uh, Vivint Arena. I just think if they get one of the two guys back, either one of them, if they can get just one of them back, I don't worry so much about uh, – one guy being out because they have Joe and they'll give him yeah, a bigger yeah. role and he's shown time and again he's better with the bigger role than he is with the smaller role. So one guy doesn't bug me, but when they're both out, that, that you know, and obviously you'd rather have Donovan because he's your go-to guy at the end of the game, but I, I just think the track record says as long as they could get one of them back, it would make a big difference. No, that's a good point. And, you know, I think they missed Donovan, obviously, uh, in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of again, it gives you that option of an athlete uh, that can actually get into the paint and get to the rim and just change things up, drawing defenders, more spacing, etc. Uh, but Mike has had a knack of late. I mean, of just kind of, you know, finding open cutters, and he's been clutching three and the floater and the paint. But you're right; if you get one of them back, Joe does have the ability to take control. He's a great ball handler. And it seems to me he is a more impactful player. He won't say it, but I think the numbers prove out that he's a more impact impactful player when he's on the floor as a starter. He's got the ball in his hands, and he can make quicker decisions, especially with the three. And he has that relationship with the lob, the pass uh, to Gobert. So it kind of opens Rudy up a little bit more, too. So I'm of the mindset of watching his team every game that it is about them being healthy, obviously, as it is with every team. And as long as that's the case, I mean, they're going to be fine. I don't know if they're going to win the title, but I think they're going to be fine in that, all right, they didn't shoot the ball well in the second game against Minnesota, so be it. And then they shot it outrageously well. So they're probably not as bad as they were against Minnesota or as good as they are or were against Sacramento. But when we get in the postseason, they got enough quality shooting. As long as they maintain confidence, especially if they're not making shots, still maintain that confidence. And that's my little bit of a criticism is that I thought that maybe confidence led to some reluctance to shoot against Minnesota. Don't do that. And yep. if you fire it up, you're going to be fine. I don't know if you're going to win it all, but I think you're going to be fine. Yeah, I thought they were hesitant, too. Uh, in that second half, which surprised me a little bit, uh, you know, even Joe uh, was a little hesitant. I don't know if anybody really wanted to, to make the shot, right? But uh, Conley did, and then you know the, the breakdown defensively, um, you know, that Rudy took, uh, you know, took the heat on, um, and you know, stood up and said, "Hey, look on me." Which you know, hey, I think I appreciate that from players. Uh, it was just an odd sequence, and then they couldn't get a shot away. Uh, but you know, looking at last night, PK. 
you know, if you believe in analytics, uh, and Quinn Snyder is one that does to, to say keep shooting the ball, it's going to happen. You're going to get back into a groove, and they did in, in quite a way. I was looking at numbers. I mean, this is incredible. The, the, the two games against Minnesota, they shot 104 three-point shots and made 35, so about 34%. You know, they're near 40% on the season. And last night, look at the numbers. I mean, they hit 59% of their threes, 24 of 41, and overall a 64% performance from the floor. You know what, too, guys, I think that's happened uh, in the last couple of games, especially for Bogdanovich, is that early starts are important for him in the sense of seeing the ball go down. He had four straight free throws, and then he started to drive and see the ball go in. I know that Matt and, and Big T always talk about, as a former player, how important early starts are and the confidence you build by seeing the ball go in. So I think Bogey's kind of changed his game a little bit to you know to use his size to go in and dominate smaller, you know, small forwards or, or two guards and just say, hey, I'm going to the rim. And then, uh, you know, last night Bogey kind of showed that, got a little momentum going again. Uh, didn't shoot the three all that well, but still got to the line. And that's played a big fact a factor in his I think his turnaround somewhat. But, you know, the Jazz can drive and score at the rim. They also have mid-range ability. And sometimes that gets lost in this conversation of, you know, three-point shooting. If you're struggling, go to something else that can help you uh, during the time that you're, you're missing threes and then regain some confidence. Maybe that's what the Jazz learned through this whole process. I'm not sure. But at least last night it looked like they had. I don't know that the Jazz have learned it, but I really think Bogey has because – Going back to PK's point about body language, like he enjoys going to the hoop and blowing by people or scoring oh, yeah. over people. Now, I do think that Sacramento's a little bit of an outlier and we shouldn't get too caught up in it because I didn't think they rotated at all. Once he beat the first guy, he's getting to the rim. You know, and when you when you play the Lakers, there will be help coming. There will yes, be a second will. or third defender. So it'll be different. But Bogey you know, kind of seemed to be an afterthought when he got here, and now he seems his body language says he enjoys it. I'll just blow by you, and I'll get my layup or dunk and my free throws, or sometimes both, and you can't do anything about it. Ha! Yeah, see you later. And I think that's a surprise. We knew him as a three-point shooter when he played for the Pacers, but he's a much more physical player than I thought, you know, as well, and he's showing that again. He forgets it sometimes, but you know what, PK, DJ, to your point, I think there may have been just this mental blockage, too, of do I trust the wrist? If I drive, I may fall. If I drive, I may get hit on the wrist. If I drive and go to the rim, I may hit my wrist on, on, you know, on the rim. Um, so I think he's gotten past that. He doesn't look at the wrist. He doesn't flex it as much as he once did. That was almost an ongoing issue every night. And you know what? It takes time, right? Nearly a year uh, to get through this. But, hey, if that's what it took – uh, you know, and he's got his confidence back, and he's got you know the belief. The Jazz didn't have him in the bubble. I think he's going to be big, a big factor in the postseason. And you know what? And Elias Sova just jumps into my head as well. He's showing why the Jazz signed him, and they've brought him along slowly. But last night, you know, he buried a couple of threes, got some rebounds. He played you know 14 minutes, and I think he's going to be a factor. I really do. He looks comfortable, by the way. You know, he looked a little shaky, didn't didn't know the offense, but I thought he's he's the last couple of games he's been on the floor. It looks like he's really in a in a much um, much better, um, well, confidence for one, but just the way he's shooting the ball in rhythm. I, it, it looks like a guy we used to know 
that uh, hurt the Jazz multiple times during his career. Do you think there's any psychological difference for the Jazz if they finish second or third as opposed to obviously first? PK, that's a good one, man, because how long have they been at the top? Three months? Um, And, you know, that's a great question. Uh, You know, I'm sure analytically they've looked at their ability to to advance one, two, or three, or four, you know, in the seeding wars. Uh, Look, you're going to have to play the Clippers or the Lakers sooner than later, right? Uh, That's just the way it is. But I know the Jazz goal is to obviously jump out of the first round and go, go much further. Uh, Donovan said it himself last year in the bubble. This isn't going to happen again. So there's there's some pressure there too. Look, the one seed has the ability to let Jazz fans enjoy a seventh game if needed, and we know what the Jazz fan base is and how strong uh, they are. And if they open up a few more seats, which is a possibility, it only makes I think Utah's chances even greater uh, with home court advantage. So I think there's a little mental part of that because they have played so well at home. And they were one of the few teams, right, to have fans in the stands. So, yeah, that's that's a great question. The psych, the psychology of where they are. If they lose tomorrow night, uh, what happens um, to the swagger? I guess is saying, "Hey, we're number one, but now we have fallen back." And you can always say, "Well, we don't have Donovan, we don't have Mike, but we'll have them back." And so you don't worry. Not sure how it's going to play out, but if you win tomorrow night, that's a huge boost psychologically, knowing that you can still win without two all without two of your all stars, and um, that's why tomorrow night basically is going to tell us, I think, a lot of you know where, which, which, where the Jazz are going as a one or a two, because after that you you only got nine games to play, and you come home by the way for five straight home games, and that's I think will bode, bode well for the Jazz to either. Uh, rest players, uh, get them healthy, PK, and then move ahead. But, boy, tomorrow night is amazing how games, you know, how they fall into place. You lose a couple of Minnesota, and all of a sudden uh, this Phoenix game um, is the one you're, you got circled on your, on your calendar. Questions that Quinn Snyder will never answer and that uh, <laughs> Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck may never even entertain, but wouldn't you like to know which matchups they like and which matchups oh, yeah. they really want? And I just think from the fan perspective, uh, you know, the Jazz and Nuggets played such a great series last year. If the Jazz do drop to two, and if the Nuggets, who are just a game behind the Clippers, finish third, well, the Jazz would still have home court in the second round against the Nuggets. I personally right. think I could really enjoy a Jazz Nuggets series. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and who's to say if the Jazz get through that? Uh, who's to say that you'd be getting the Suns? I mean, you might get the Clippers or Lakers because they'd be one, four, and five, and they'd be battling to get the conference final. You might end up as a two seed and still have home court in the conference final anyway. Now, that's a whole bunch of suppositions and ifs and. I mean, I know we're going to spend time on it, but there's a part of me that doesn't want to because there's so many variables we don't we don't know. We, we don't, don't know how this well, is going to play I, out. And, and you got to throw in the play-in games too. So the Jazz, if they do finish one or even two, look the way playing. that the the yeah. six, uh, the seven, and eight, you know, map out. You don't know. I mean, Quinn said himself he's got to have you know scouts scouting four different teams, and you may not. You probably you won't know until, what, Thursday, Friday on, on how it's going to work out and who you're going to play in the first round. You don't know if you play Saturday or Sunday. 
if you're the one seed, most likely you may slide into a Sunday game right at home, which is an oddity. Uh, but, you know, something the Jazz are going to have to get used to. If, and, and with new ownership, I don't think that's, you know, I don't know if Ryan's going to, uh, Ryan Smith and the, and the group is going to, you know, turn away from that. So, you know, things are changing. And again, if you are the one or two seed, you have to wait to really know who your who your first round opponent is. That's and that's kind of odd because you think you'd be able to kind of get into it knowing you're the one seed. You earned that, but you still now because of the plan have to wait. Unlike some other teams at four and five, on who the heck you're going to play in the first round. So uh, there's still a lot of unknowns, man, and that's what I think the league wants, guys. The play-in is for a reason. It's to keep teams engaged, fans engaged. Uh, people still competing, not resting or tanking, and it gives uh, obviously now the one and the twos. They have to wait to really see, to really see who their first round opponents are going to be, and so that brings excitement right to the final couple of weeks of the season. And here we are, almost May first on Saturday, and that gives us just a little over two weeks uh, before the season ends on uh, on the sixteenth. Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. We will uh, we'll hear you on the call Friday night. Yeah, anxious to see how this one turns out. Uh, the downhill running of uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker against Jingle and Joe. I guess I am I the the first or second warm up act for his show today. Uh, you're touring separately. Uh, it's different hours of the show. There's no warm up act today. He's no maybe he's in a stadium tour and you're in an arena tour, but you know whatever. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, he deserves the stadium tour. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> there you go. He can, he can <laughs> pack right, him in. Yeah. yeah, pack him. All, All right. right later. Thanks, Bowler. All right, DJ and PK coming up in the nine o'clock hour. Joe Ingles. We got a lot of reaction coming up to the NFL draft tonight and the future for Zach Wilson. We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us.